Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Boomer. Some people don't like the term, but I think, like many other words, it's all in how you say it. My umbrella business is Boom with a Bang, and I think we should keep that in mind as much as possible. We Boomer women don't have a lot of role models as we traverse this chapter. So the goal of this podcast is to introduce you to guests who might incentivize, encourage, teach you to embrace your wisdom, our wisdom. With this incarnation of the Boomer Woman's Podcast, I'm interviewing people who have a message of interest for our demographic. If you want to hear about or learn about something specific, let me know and I'll find someone who understands us to talk about it. There's a contact page at boomwithabang.com. If you want to be a guest on podcast or know someone who would be a great guest, message me. Finally, this show is all about conversation. We women know its value, we know how to do it, and we must perpetuate the art form. So let's get started with today's show. Welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. I'm your host, Agnes Knowles. Happiness. If you're a news junkie, that concept may elude you. If you live in a less affluent neighborhood than some, that concept may elude you. If you hang around with unhappy people, that concept may well elude you. My guest today is on a mission to create greater happiness in the world by teaching individuals and groups the actions and habits of happiness. On her website, it says every success or failure in our lives is related to our relationship with ourselves. Creating a life you love now begins with you. Your beliefs, your thoughts, and your actions shape your physical reality. If you are unhappy with your life as it is, it's time to look inward. I'm big on taking responsibility for myself, so let's get started. Tamara Zoner, welcome to the Boomer Woman's Podcast. Thank you so much, Agnes. It's good to be here. Yeah. I got to start with the obvious question. Tamara, why are you so happy? <laughs> because I practice it, Agnes. <laughs> Ooh, oh, okay. That is, oh, that's a great answer. Thank you. Keep going. Okay. So I got on this journey uh, nearly 10 years ago when I was deeply unhappy. And I started, as we do, seeking a way back to myself because I could remember being happy before and I wasn't happy in that moment. And, and I had blamed it for a while on my then husband and, you know, blamed it on moving overseas and being new somewhere and blamed it on parenting and motherhood and all of that. But none of that was the real cause. And so I started getting into personal development and I should say back into it and decided that if none of these other things worked, then I better start looking within. And that really uh, introduced me to this world of taking responsibility for my own happiness. And of course it has been a long journey, but ultimately I've discovered and now I get to teach this, that our happiness is in our own hands and it doesn't just happen to us. We have to cultivate it just like any beautiful garden. I'm a gardener, so it's easy for me to use this reference, 
but we can't just ignore it and think that our plants are gonna blow, grow and thrive. We have to pay attention to it. We have to give it the right nutrients and the right soil. We have to take care of it and we have to water it and give it light. It's a practice. And so is our happiness. That means I, if I feel happy today and I decide that that's enough, I'm done now. And I just go on and do whatever, I might find myself not so happy again in a couple of days or weeks or months because it's a daily practice. Okay. I always come with notes and I am going to bounce around now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You just admitted that, you know, you were blaming other parts of your life for your unhappiness. As I was prepping notes for our chat today, I started thinking about uh, the last, my last few months of last year. I'm generally a pretty happy person, but it was like one thing after another was going sideways. I remember driving into town one day and sort of asking the universe for a break. You know, I said, I don't even need anything good. Just, just cut with the bad things for a while. I just need a break from the bad things. Shortly after that, I mean, things did turn around a big way and there's been no looking back. Is it an abdication of responsibility to sort of blame the universe or, or whatever? You know, we're not taking responsibility for our lives? Blaming, yes, I would say so. Because life is going to happen no matter what, right? The universe, I believe, so I have a mantra that I use for myself in my own life, that everything happens for me. And that includes the stuff I don't like. And I'm always responsible. I can't always control the circumstances. And in fact, research shows that the circumstances aren't that important to our happiness anyway. Um, but I can control how I respond to the circumstances of my life. And it doesn't mean that I'll be happy all the time. Life happens to all of us. We're human. This is what it's for, I believe. And we get to choose how we respond. We have the ability to respond in different ways. So when when life happens a lot and we think that just all that stuff is hitting the fan all at once and we don't like it and we can yell at the universe, but what is that going to solve for us? Not much. But if we take back our responsibility and say, okay, what do I have to do? What can I do? Sometimes it's just lay on the couch for a week. <laughs> That's a, a way of taking care of ourselves. A whole bunch of people just breathe the sigh of relief on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And be aware, you know, when I, when I binge on Netflix, cause I do it too, I'm doing it with conscious awareness that I'm just not prepared right now to deal with all these big feelings and I need a break from it. So I'm going to just watch some show and that's okay. Now, I don't think it's as okay if you're completely ignoring what's going on and you're using Netflix as an escape from it all or whatever your escape methods are. But if we do it with conscious awareness, like I get, I deserve a break. I need to not be feeling all of this all the time because it can be exhausting depending on what you're going through or growing through, as I like to say, that's okay. Take the break that you need because otherwise what happens is the universe gives us one and it might not look as good. <laughs> when you said I was asking for a break, I was like, Ooh, what happened? Did you get sick? Did you get a car accident? What happened? Because if we don't take the break at the yellow light, we get the red light and we're forced to shut down sometimes, whether we get ill or something tragic happens and we're literally forced by the universe to rest or stop everything. 
And we really don't want to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good point there. Okay, so we're looking inward. It's a mess in there. Where, <laughs> where, where do we start? Oh, it can be a mess. It's not always a mess. No, it no, no. I'm just, I'm, I'm just setting that scenario. <laughs> yeah. So if it is a mess, we start with simply starting to pay attention. We start to notice how we talk to ourselves because we all do talk to ourselves. It's called thinking. And how are you thinking to yourself? Are you supportive and loving or are you a jerk to yourself? Because many of us start off really having a very critical inner voice and we're beating ourselves up constantly and that will not help you. It is not in fact a motivator, even if you think it is. And um, it just holds us back and holds us down. And so the first thing I recommend for anybody wanting to experience change in their lives is to start paying attention and noticing what you're actually thinking. Where is your attention? What is the emphasis? And frankly, for most of us, it is negative thinking. We are, we are created with this neural pathway and neural lean toward the negative and negativity bias as um, it's called in science. And that's why we're here still today. We evolved. We survived the poison berries and the cave lions and all of that because we knew how to pay attention to the dangers so that we could avoid them. And these beautiful brains of ours have not evolved as quickly as civilization. So every little thing, even the dings on our phone can cause this fight or flight reaction that makes us think, but if we can practice simply taking a breath every time that response comes in and going, wait, is this, what is this really? (laughs) Is this something? about or is this just another beep on my phone and guess what I don't have to respond to it right now and so that awareness is the first piece and I often recommend people just spend a whole week simply noticing and don't try to change anything don't try to do anything just become more aware of how you're thinking okay while I'm setting scenarios um, I'm, I'm going to start in those negative places just because I think, you know, like those are easy for many people to identify with. You know, you look inside and you hate your job. The dollars aren't going as far as they used to. The teenager is getting re- rebellious and that's just causing more gray hair and weight gain and lines around the eyes. Where do we start to unpack that to find positives? finding positives is key here because it's how we start to retrain our neurology so that no matter what is happening out there with the, I have three teenagers and a lot of gray hair. So I totally identify with that. (laughs) Sorry. I wasn't trying to be personal. (laughs) Um, But one of the ways that we can start to change our experience of life without actually changing what's going on is by looking for the good by looking for what is already positive, because no matter how troubled the circumstances may be, there is always something good in your life. Even if it's that you're healthy or that you have a roof over your head or clean water at your fingertips, because not everybody does. So when we can start to tap into some gratitude for what we already have, what's already beautiful in our lives, and we can actively practice looking for it, that's what first starts to change the brain and and rewire that natural negativity bias toward a positivity bias. 
And, and this is definitely a practice. And that's why I call happiness a practice because it's something that we have to choose to do. We don't choose just to be happy. I mean, you could try, but it doesn't really work out that way, but we can choose to practice it and to start looking for what's already good in our lives. Because when we do that, when we're imagining, when we're thinking, when we're remembering what's good in our lives, our bodies, our brains are releasing chemicals and hormones that support that feeling in our bodies too. And this is how we start to change and evolve into a happier experience. Okay, I'm going to bring in one more dark cloud. Okay. Um, in our lives, uh, you know, I've already said that uh, we dislike our job. It turns out that our partner dislikes their job even more than we dislike ours. Our sister is angry at the world. I've already mentioned that rebellious teen, you know, like so many people in our lives are equally or more unhappy. Show us a glimmer of hope there. All right. So relationships are actually one of the most important factors in our overall happiness. And many of us really put other people first. And we're taught that way. I mean, I grew up in the Catholic church and I'm recovering now, but you know, it was God first family next. And then, you know, you're an afterthought. Really we have it reversed because we have to take care of ourselves first and create clear boundaries in our relationships. So when everybody is around us and they're unhappy and they're maybe even miserable, we've got to really look at who we're spending the most time with because they are deeply influencing us. And even if you can find one positive person to spend more time with, even if it's listening to a podcast every day or watching some Instagram reels by someone who's very positive and uplifting, do that. If you don't have the positive people in your current experience, maybe it's time to go looking for them. And I have, you know, I run a local meetup in the Detroit metro area and once a month, sometimes that's the experience of being around positive people. Like their lives are, um, I was going to swear, I'm going to keep it PG-13, <laughs> are messy, messy shows. <laughs> and, but they come to this two hour meeting once a month because they know they're surrounded with other people who want to feel happier, who want deeper connections, who want to retrain that brain into more positive thinking. And so just every little bit counts. It doesn't have to be big, bold, massive changes. It's these baby steps I have found in the last 10 years in both my own personal experience and in coaching and teaching and speaking to others. It's baby steps that make the most profound and lasting changes in our lives. A few minutes ago, you mentioned the inner voice. And you also mentioned it's so true that, you know, we are often our own worst critic. Does it help to sort of do some external things as well? I'm just thinking like, you know, you, you make that conscious effort of saying, okay, it, it's not all dark in the world. You know, I have a sunny day. I have a roof over my head. I can go to the tap and turn on clean water. Um, it, sometimes do we need to sort of start writing those things down so that it sort of adds a little bit of texture to it? Oh, I love that texture. Yes, absolutely. And I find that when 
people engage in a written practice of looking for the good or gratitude, it's really, really helpful on the hardest days to be able to go back and look at what's good. Like if we really can't think of something, we've got it written down and be like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Ooh, okay. I remember that that's a good thing in my life. It it helps. And it, you know, it's not just that, but that's a place to start. Would it also help that, uh, I just remember talking to to a few guests who say, look at the stuff that you've learned or that you're capable of, you know, so, so those are very personal wins. You know, I, I learned to master the camera on my smartphone. I learned how to come on a Zoom call, that sort of thing. You know, yeah. once again, taking or taking note, I guess, of personal things that you've accomplished. Is that? Absolutely. That helps. And, and sometimes it also helps to ask, ask a trusted friend, Hey, what do you see in me? What that's good about me? I'm having a tough day. I, I, I could really use a mirror that shows me I'm, I'm worth this life. And, and that requires courage. And it's very powerful to both be able to look at your own accomplishments and then ask others what they see. I need a loving reflection today. Could you provide me one? As you said that, I, I remember a study I just in the last year sometime where they set mid-age women off to talk to their circle about the positives. And they were shocked. And, and this is like a, it was a general thing. They were shocked with the intensity of the positive responses. So spouses who said, oh my goodness, like you hold this entire family together and you balance the books, like we'd be lost without you. The, that rebellious teen that says, you know, I know I'm a pain in the butt these days, but you know, like you're always patient, you still drive me where I need to go. You know, friends who say like, I, I know I can count on you completely. And it was just so intense. It's not like, oh, you've got a pretty smile or, you know, you whatever. It was really, really big stuff. So you, know, you mentioned being a little nervous about doing that. But boy, you know, a lot of people might be surprised. So surprised. You know, one of the exercises that I was assigned early on uh, when I was getting my coaching certification was to ask, even just in social media, you know, Facebook friends, what are three of my strengths that you can see? And that is an incredibly powerful experience. You know, you're framing the question. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you get positive responses. Yeah. It's not like, what do you, what are three of my characteristics? What are three of my strengths? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And when you frame it, you're going to get responses that are very supportive. And that was so powerful for me uh, early in the journey. And then I was able to take, you know, those word clouds and put all of the responses into a word cloud. And I made that a picture that I put up for myself so that I could look at it every day and go, this is what people see. And it was really beautiful and really affirming. And it helped me remember on those harder days that this is who I am. The darkness isn't who we are. The darkness is a cloud, like you said, that comes over us, but we're the light. It's just that sometimes we can't see it for ourselves and sometimes we don't feel it. And as I'm speaking, the sun is coming out in Michigan, which <laughs> is surprising and amazing. <laughs> okay, so we're on our way. And we're starting to get a handle on this. 
And in the same week, the dog dies and our best friend is diagnosed with cancer. So here's the thing in the practice of happiness is this concept of expansion and contraction. And we are just like trees and flowers and all of nature, which expands and contracts, expands and contracts. And so do we. And so one of the practices that is very, very gentle is noting when we need to go within and quiet down and maybe grieve or even be angry. When our dog dies, we're sad. Ignoring that is not going to make us happier. It's just going to store crap in our bodies. I like to say that if you feel it, you heal it and release it. And if you ignore it, you store it and it waits around for you to actually deal with it. So you get to be sad. This, you know, when I talk about happiness, it's, I take the definition from Marcy Shimoff's Happy for No Reason book. And it is an inner state of peace and well being that doesn't depend on circumstances. It doesn't say that I'm skipping through fields of sunflowers shouting for joy all of the time. <laughs> it's an inner state of peace and well being that no matter what's happening outside, if my dog dies, if my teenager is a jerk, if my X blows a fuse and, and the kids call me crying. That's part of life. And I get to feel my authentic response to it. And because I've practiced these habits of happiness, because I practice allowing my feelings to be felt, I know that I'll be okay. I know that I'm going to come back into expansion when I'm ready, when I've fully felt my feelings and given them their voice. And then I make the choice, you know what? Oh, I'm ready to expand again. So maybe I call a friend or turn on some really good music or whatever tools I love to use to help me move back into this expanded state. And you can practice this feeling, right? So that you become more aware when I'm doing workshops or one-on-ones with people, I'll actually have them curl up into a ball and make a frowny face and try to say, I feel happy <laughs> <laughs> and notice how incongruent that is. And then do the opposite, you know, open up and expand and then say, I feel depressed and it doesn't work. And so the, the whole point of this human life is to allow that natural contraction, expansion, contraction, expansion cycle to flow. Sometimes it takes just seconds. Sometimes it takes weeks or months. And when the dog dies or you lose your job or it rains for three days, you know that it's safe to be in this state of contraction and you know that you will come back out on the other side. I'm, I'm going to let that sit for a minute because I really feel the need to say I'm on the west coast of Canada. Three days of rain would be only three days. <laughs> that would be a, a reason for happiness, I tell you. Okay, I keep on throwing sort of one roadblock in front of you after another. And and I want to say that one of my favorite books on my bookshelf is by Sean Aker. So so I love this whole concept of happiness and I, and I am a believer. One of your talking points got my attention. What's the most important thing a person can do to positively impact their lives? Ooh, I haven't even read my talking points in a while. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just go with whatever answer is coming up for me right now. And I do actually come back to that awareness point 
is to become more aware of what you're thinking and how you are supporting or sabotaging yourself and your behaviors. And, you know, when we first talked about laying the foundation and having a foundation for happiness, it, and that is responsibility. That is taking responsibility for your happiness. That is deciding that in fact, the weather, the rain, the dog, the ex, the overbearing grandmother, mother, whatever, that those things aren't responsible for making me happier to change. I don't need them to change for me to be happier. I get to choose what impacts my happiness. And it starts from within. So having that awareness of how I am allowing life to happen to me and allowing life to influence me is is the most important thing because it's only through conscious awareness that we can make change. If I don't know there's a pile of dirt under the rug, well, I'm never gonna sweep it out. So we have to pull it back and say, oh yeah, this is here. Now I can deal with it. And it's very, very important if you want to be authentically happy, if you want to really love your life, to deal with the messy parts. And it's okay for life to be messy. It's We're human. It's life. It's not always easy. <laughs> so if we can actually design, put our, put our finger on moments of happiness, like things that cause us happiness, whether it's walking in the rain, going to the ocean, going to like, who knows, going to a movie, that sort of thing, going to the opera, who knows whatever it is. Should we actually be, you know, if there's external things that would help us in our journey to happiness, should we be putting those on the calendar? Oh, heck yes. I talk to so many people who are unhappy and don't really feel alive anymore and the biggest quickest shift is to simply remember like think of what makes me feel alive and then to go do that thing (laughs) (laughs) because so many of us think oh i am i'm an adult now i have all these responsibilities or i'm middle-aged or older and i'm just i'm the you know my mom has this idea of i'm the matriarch and blah 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 well yeah we want to see you having fun too so Do the things that make you feel alive because no matter how hard life gets, that's what keeps us going. I love the opera. I love the ocean. I love walking in the rain. No, that's not true. I don't love walking in the (laughs) rain. (laughs) I love walking in the ocean spray. Uh, Everybody is different and asking yourself that question, what makes me feel alive? And then a lot of people at certain times in their lives won't remember, you know, and that's when they typically come to me and you can simply ask yourself that question every single day. What makes me feel alive? And I like for people to practice for about a minute to just come up and keep repeating things. What makes me feel alive is this. What makes me feel alive is laughing with my children. What makes me feel alive for probably a lot of your listeners and mine too is playing with my grandchildren. What makes me feel alive is when the sun shines on my face. Maybe that means we have to go take a vacation somewhere. (laughs) What makes me feel alive is traveling. What makes me feel alive is, you know, a fireplace and a fuzzy blanket. So just reigniting that feeling. And as I mentioned, and you can probably see it on my face, Agnes, when we're remembering or imagining those things, we automatically start to feel better and we start to feel more alive. 
Okay, so we've, we've talked about sort of that mindset. We've talked about gratitude. We've talked about actual actions towards happiness. Is that what you mean when you start talking about the habits of happiness in terms of just, and I guess if they're on the calendar, some of those things, it's easier to make them a habit because they do recur without us thinking about it too much. Yes, I love calendar reminders as well, even to have a calendar reminder pop up that says, move your body for the next five minutes, or that says, hey, what's good with you? <laughs> and then you answer that question. Yes, these practices, these habits of happiness are what can help our everyday experience become more joyful and fulfilling, uh, no matter what is happening in our lives. In fact, I just want to share with you and your audience that the research shows that external circumstances only impact 10% of our overall happiness. Wow. It's 50% genetic. You know, this is, we're born with it. I see the cup is half full. My sister got the other gene and she sees it as half empty. And then 40% of our overall happiness, if you think of it like a pie, is our habits of thought and behavior. So what we think, how we think, and what we do. And those habits and behaviors can impact the genetic piece as well. So we have up to 90% influence on our, what's called our happiness set point. We still can't control the out there, but we can control the in here. And by practicing things like taking responsibility for your happiness instead of complaining or blaming others, and by not believing every thought that we think, but checking in and going, Ooh, is that true? Or am I just, you know, am I just tired today? And so my thoughts are all leaning negative taking care of the body, opening the heart, you know, practicing forgiveness for yourself and others is a huge, hugely powerful practice of happiness, a habit of happiness. Having purpose and meaning in your everyday experience, even if we're retired, even if we're young, even if we're like 95, something in your life that brings you meaning brings you joy, improves your happiness. And then finally, it's those relationships, you know, making sure that you practice healthy boundaries, because it's very important uh, that we recognize when we're giving ourselves away. You know, we have, I have this cup here, and most of us are just pouring from the cup out, 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 out to others. Even if that's listening to someone constantly negative, that's still us pouring out, being a container for them. And what works a whole lot better, Agnes, is that if we get our cups so full that we serve from the overflow so that we're never depleting ourselves from others, but we're actively serving from this overflow, which feels good. And then we're not resentful that we're helping again. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm got a question here now that comes right out of left field. Uh, it is not one of your talking points. However, you just mentioned that you got the happiness gene your sister got the glasses emptying rapidly gene i have interviewed a few people on podcasts who talk about the non-physical genetics that we inherit so if we have like our mothers and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers really had hard lives worked really hard had little so almost that that whole feeling of life is hard um, I'm, you know, not meant for plenty, that sort of thing that comes down through the generations. Does looking back and acknowledging that help us 
start to turn it around so that we can live in a place of joy? I absolutely believe that it does. I think it's very important to recognize where we've come from and why the people who have been our programmers, so to speak, our parents and grandparents are the way that they are. In fact, I just finished a beautiful book, fiction book, but, um, and it was about this woman who went to India when her grandfather that she had never met passed away because her mother refused to tell her anything of her own childhood or the family. And so she went and she uncovered her whole history and it enlightened her as to why her mother was the way that she was and therefore changed her own experience of their relationship. And when we do that, when we look back and we say, oh, well, this generation went through these wars or this famine or this depression, it enables us to be more gracious and also recognize that their stuff isn't ours anymore. And when we can recognize that what we're taking on is in fact someone else's emotional journey, then it frees us up to release it. And that doesn't just include past generations, but the the ones after us too, right? I talk to a lot of parents, I am a parent, and one of the hardest things for us to do as parents is to separate ourselves from our children and recognize what's theirs and what's their journey and what's our journey. And we're so much more effective when we can let our kids live their own lives and learn from their own experiences instead of trying to fix or change or protect all of the time. And so we can't change the past either. So it's a whole lot easier to just recognize and acknowledge that this has impacted my present and it doesn't have to because it doesn't exist now. There we go. I left that pregnant pause on purpose. (laughs) Okay. So you have brought us theoretically to a more positive place. We can feel happy, you know, left curve ball comes in from left field and we go like okay got that put it down you you also mentioned the glass and and working or giving from the overflow but what if or how I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this how do we move into our happiness and then share it spread it about so it's not like we're you know giving to our sister who's just needy needy but we are actually being a role model but how do we be a role model for a happier person Mm, I love that question we we really have to walk our talks and live that you know when I I have been told and it's taken me years to finally fully embrace and receive these words but I am told often that just being in my presence makes people feel better. And for a while that was like, what? But it's because I really live what I'm sharing and I practice it. So I'm, life is not, you know, show and tell from back in the elementary school days. (laughs) Life isn't tell, life is show. We try to tell, we tell a lot on Facebook, on social media. We tell a lot like, oh, here's my amazing life. But who we are shows. And when we practice the habits of happiness so that we're cultivating this gorgeous garden of happiness and we're literally, it's coming through us. 
and we're carrying it wherever we go, people start to notice that. And I call it like the ripple in a pond effect. It's just, I'm one ripple and I'm making an impact on the next person who interacts with me. And they're making an impact on the next person that interacts with them. And when I'm feeling good and showing up and taking great care of my happiness, then everybody else who gets to be around me gets that too. And it just keeps going. And that's what I love about this practice. And that's why I think it's so important that people do practice happiness because a lot of us are complaining about the world, but it would be a better place if more of us really took responsibility for and practiced happiness. Do do you ever have clients start on that journey and realize that they are the gray cloud in other people's lives? (laughs) I'm trying to think if I've had anyone, you know, I have, most people are in a blaming position when they first come like, Oh, all these things need to change. Those people need to change. And then I'll be happier. (laughs) And And I have one client who, when she started with me, her partner was telling her, like, she's the one who needed to be fixed. She's always so negative and da, da, da. So she really looked inward and and tried to see. And now a year later, he's still telling her that, but she's not that anymore. His perspective hasn't changed, but hers has dramatically shifted. And so now for her, it's easy for her to just shrug off his comments and say, actually, you might want to look at yourself, (laughs) but I'm not going to let that impact me because I've practiced this a lot now and I am going to keep feeling good. Even if your thoughts are different from mine. Does becoming a happy person really piss off some people in your life? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, I have a funny slide that I share in presentations, which is happiness. This, um, you know, a weird thing that makes other people uncomfortable and upset. (laughs) And she's like skipping through a rainbow, you know? Uh, Yeah. And that's okay. Because what it tells me if someone is upset by my happiness is that they have stuff that they're not dealing with yet. And they're upset instead of happy for the happy person because they haven't yet gone within and cleaned it up that mess that they're having internally right it's just like if I'm really hungry and I see just that really good plate of food at the table next to me but I haven't gotten mine yet I'm like man why do they get their food first instead of going "Ooh, I can't wait to get my food it's a very different way of looking at the world when we're jealous of what someone else has and therefore angry or bitter about it Versus knowing that it can be ours too and being happy for them because they have it and saying, boy, I can't wait till I get to experience that too. It's, you know, blessing that which you want, which brings it toward you instead of pushes it away. Is there any ballpark uh, time frame from moving from, you know, like it's, we're going to get into what you do, but, you know, like say, say somebody decides to work with you to find their, their path to a, a happy place, uh, a consistently happy place, shall we say, is there a vague timeline that it would take somebody? 
I can give you a very vague timeline because <laughs> it's very, it's different for everyone. But what I see is that change can begin very rapidly. You can start to feel the effects of practicing happiness within a week, within a few days. In fact, I had one, one person, when I first started teaching the skills and habits of happiness, I was still working my full-time job in senior living. And so I was practicing on my residence and I was giving a four-part lecture series on this topic. And after the first hour-long lesson, I asked them to set an intention. You know, what will you practice of what you've learned today? What will you practice for the next couple of weeks? And a week later, I had one of my residents burst into my office and tell me, you changed my life. <laughs> and I was like, cool, <laughs> what did I do? And she said that she had set an intention to stop complaining. You know, this was the take responsibility for your happiness piece. So she gave up complaining and she was very specific about it. She gave up complaining to her son on their nightly phone calls. She did not give up complaining to the staff or <laughs> to her neighbors. She gave up complaining to her son on their nightly phone calls. But after just a week, she discovered with that awareness that what she had been doing was walking through her day, collecting complaints to tell her son, oh, wow. noticing all the bad things, you know, the breakfast was cold or the waitress took too long to bring her coffee or there was nothing interesting on the calendar that day or just collecting all the negatives to tell her son about it. And when she stopped doing that, because she made that commitment to herself to stop complaining after just a week, she said she felt so much lighter. Her mind felt clearer. She was dramatically happier in just one week. So that's how fast it can begin to shift. And then, of course, the practice to really change our neurology and to create new habits takes longer. You know, conventional wisdom says 21 days to change a habit. But in fact, the research shows it's closer to 72 days for a new habit to be fully formed, for that new neurology, those new neural pathways to be solid and strong. And so there's a there's a time frame, but it can start to happen so quickly, Agnes. Interesting you say the 72 days because some of the research I've done suggests even up to 12 weeks, okay. which is, yeah, it's, yeah, takes a while. I also had a career in elder care and I still have a couple of private clients that I did companion work with. And it was interesting, as you said that, because um, I've had one husband come in and say, you two girls are laughing again. You know, you're always laughing, which is great, <laughs> you know, and then another uh, the, the family of contacted the, the, the client's husband and said, can't, can't Agnes work some more shifts because mom is a totally different person when Agnes is there, you know? So it was like, oh good, I'm bringing the joy to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah, it's yeah. so, so good. I mean, you, you really make an impact on the world around you when you are bringing that light yeah. and you have to light it first. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think too, like even just looking at it from a general world view, you know, like the, I would be mortified to think I was a dark cloud walking into any room. Right. You know, like I mean, people are going, oh good. no, she's here good. again. <laughs> uh, and, but people, that's hard to tell somebody you're the dark cloud. Most people don't. They just, you know, are thinking, oh man, I got to see that person again. And so that's why this 
kind of happiness hygiene. <laughs> it's super important. If you don't want to be that dark cloud, then make sure you're the light. Happiness hygiene. You should uh, <laughs> trademark that. Came up with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I love your energy. And, you know, that oftentimes when I talk to a guest, it's like, oh, I wish we were recording the faces on this, doing the video, because you really do come alive and your face is is a happy face like even I, I won't say your resting bitch face because I haven't seen it but you know how some people it's just like it all falls down when right. they're not actively smiling but okay so you're contagious our <laughs> our audience is mostly mid-aged women with varying degrees of happiness is there anything we haven't talked about that you want them to think about yes I, I think I touched on it, but I really want, especially mid-aged women whose bodies are changing, uh, to be aware that it's not just always your thinking, that your physical experience is impacting your thoughts and vice versa. So give yourself a break. <laughs> And really, really, if you can, and you can step up your self-care, get, get the sleep that you actually require. I know I'm a different human on less sleep than I require. And, um, so really being kind to yourself and taking as much good care of yourself as you can, because this midlife thing where the body's doing all sorts of funky stuff, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm approaching 50 Agnes and, uh, and things are changing and, the more aware that we are, that it's not just our thoughts, that our body, our physiology is impacting our thinking and vice versa, the better. And also, I'm going to repeat this, just give yourself a break and try to be kind and recognize when it's not you, when it is maybe the environment, when it is maybe just that your body is doing weird things and, and recognize when you do need that rest. You do need, when you're in that little bit of contraction, that that's okay to be there and be kind and compassionate with yourself. Okay, I may have to take that and we'll put it on a replay or repeat or something. <laughs> As someone who's getting closer to 70, it's just like, oh man, what happened? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I but, know, uh, I know I'm hearing this whole menopausal thing last like decades. <laughs> So we're in it together, right? On the opposite end. But oh, yeah, self-compassion is so important. Now, one of my go-to concepts is about role models. You never know who's watching. Is that another reason or can we make that a reason to try to be a bit more happy? Just sort of think, oh, I don't want my grandchildren to think I'm just a grumpy old person or, you know, like my neighbor next door has health issues so I should really try to be up like someone's watching so so be as positive as you can be I, I kind of love that and I often think to myself when I'm alone am I behaving the same now as I would if other people were actually watching and I want to I have a value of integrity and alignment and so I I even noticed today, because I'm home alone for the first time in weeks, that I don't make the bed as nicely, <laughs> you know, when nobody's home. And when everybody's home, I'm like, make sure it's all just the way I like it in the morning. And so sometimes I'll go and correct that. And sometimes I'll be 
like I was this morning. That's okay. I don't care. I get a day off. You know, I get a day off of making sure the house is, is just as I like it to be because there's no one else cluttering my thoughts or my energy today. Or your house. Yeah, in my house. So when when there are four other people here, it's very important to me for things to be just so, so that I feel that like clearer energy. But when there's nobody else impacting me, it doesn't matter as much. But what does matter is that I'm still taking care of myself. And if it helps you to think that somebody's watching, well, depending on your spiritual beliefs, it just might be true, <laughs> right? If my grams is watching how I take care of my home from the heavens above, then that matters to me because she was my favorite human. And she still is today, even though she's been gone nine years. <laughs> so, so yeah, if it helps you to think someone's watching, there's going to be a life review. I better show up my best then do it. You keep on popping these words in that bring another little thought cloud into my brain. <laughs> but you, know, you talked about clutter around the house. I have really noticed the the correlation between, I think it happened years ago, I was um, fundraising chair for Special Olympics. And I was collecting a whole bunch of things for this big raffle we were having. And I realized that I could barely move in my office and I had stacks of things and I was feeling agitated. And like getting to a happy place was really a struggle clutter in our lives affecting ourselves can you talk to that for a second oh absolutely everything is energy and so when our space that we live in is clean and clear we have more energy and when it's cluttered and messy and overwhelming it's like you know stacking on our shoulders and everything feels heavier and harder and so a clean home is not just looking good. A clean home, a clutter-free home or a clutter-reduced home, let's be real, is, <laughs> is energetically cleansing as well. Everything is energy. If you close your eyes and you see those little particles dancing before your eyes, that's what everything really is. And the more stuff we have, the more dense it is. And when we clean up our space, the lighter and freer our energy is. So it's actually really important. And I'm so sorry for those of you with a lot of clutter. <laughs> I'm just thinking that if you've got a lot of clutter, that's just sort of part of the, the equation. And maybe you should go back and listen to this episode again, because you've brought up some really, really good points on sort of clearing all the different paths that are yeah. there um, to, uh, to a happier place. Okay, so you coach. I do. Mm -hmm. So I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and group programs, and I, I typically work with people in any sort of transition who are struggling and we begin to, first of all, identify what matters the most to you. So what actually lights you up that you probably haven't been engaging in, in a long time. And then we build these habits of happiness and it's a six month program I require for reasons we've talked about that habit building period. And most people actually renew. So almost 90% of my clients will renew for another six months with me because they've noticed the difference. They feel entirely different six months after they started like happier than they've ever been. And they want to keep going. And, um, and you can find me at a life you love now.com. 
and I offer a free call to get started with so that we can see if we're a good match. And, and in that call, whether you continue with me or not, one-on-one or in a group, we, we chart your pathway toward happiness. So we identify one tool that you can start using right now today to start to cleanse that clutter and, and build those neural pathways toward greater happiness. Excellent. Anything we haven't talked about? The only thing I will say as well is that I do do um, presentations for groups or companies as well. So if you have someone listening who is thinking, boy, my staff could really use this or my senior living community. uh, I don't do senior communities in virtual arenas because it's just too hard for various reasons. Uh, But yes, I do. I do do in-person presentations on this as well. And while it's not going to make the long lasting impact as one-on-one work would make, it still can change lives. So. Well, I'll add in just because of my background is as soon as you've got the rec therapy staff involved too, that they can carry on your work within a facility. So yeah. 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 Okay, so what was the website again? A life you love now.com. Okay. And you're on social? I am. I show up a lot on Facebook and some relatively often on Instagram. And I also have a YouTube channel as well as a podcast called Spirit Cafe. So if you enjoyed this and you want more Tamra time, I'm there. <laughs> Sounds great. Okay. So the website link is always in the show notes. All the links are in your bio on the website. Listeners, if you have thoughts on today's show, please talk to us. Leave comments where you're listening, or if you're listening at the Boomer Woman's podcast at boomwithabang.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and talk to us there. Leave stars and reviews where you can. They help us grow. For early access of upcoming episodes, there's a sign up under this conversation at Boom With A Bang. Share this episode with your inner circle. If they're unhappy, it might be the prompt they need to look inward, and they might appreciate taking steps with you. If your inner circle is already happy, they would probably be happier still to encourage you to a happier place. Tamara Zoner, thanks for being my guest today. It was my pleasure, Agnes. Thank you for having me. Have a great rest of the week.